Welcome to the Taking a Breath Podcast with Parker Mays. Alrighty, welcome back everybody to this week's episode of Taking a Breath. Thank you so much for joining us. This week I'm excited because my guest is uh, a longtime mentor and friend, Joel Henley. Uh, this year, Joel and his wife, Chris, founded Bearhawk Media based here in Raleigh. They actually moved to North Carolina back in 2013 to help launch Oasis Church, where Joel served on the creative staff for six years. Uh, one of his big passions is telling stories that impact people. And he's brought that same dedication and passion to every area of his life for as long as I've known him. So Joel, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining today. And I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, Parker. So uh, my wife and I grew up in Florida. Uh, We're Floridians. It's kind of a rare thing because most people move to Florida when they retire and (laughs) there's not many people born there, I guess. So, um, but we're one of the rare few. We grew up uh, down there and then moved to North Carolina, like you said, back in 2013. It's, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a crazy journey. We, I've been doing, uh, I was, I was in full-time ministry for a while with my, with, with some local churches. And just this past year, like you said, we, we launched our own company. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. So I'm excited because I, I want to dig a little bit into your background and then we'll move kind of through and, and talk about the, the recent project as well. So what kind of got you started in this creative, like creative production, music, all that, that sort of background? So I, I was always kind of musical growing up. My dad played guitar. So music was kind of what started any kind of creativity for me, I guess. And then I started, uh, so I, I was, I sang growing up and then I started playing guitar when I was 13 uh, in middle school and just thought it'd be cool, thought the girls would like, you know, it or something. <laughs> but I but I really, you know, started loving what I was doing. My, uh, my great uncle bought me this little tape cassette recorder, multi-track recorder. So I would write songs on there and try to record and just do things like that. And then our youth group in middle school needed a worship leader. And I was kind of thrust into it, you know, without really any experience or any qualifications. It's just like, hey, you play guitar and can kind of sing. So why don't you uh, be the worship leader? Um, And that seems like what most, you know, people's experiences are. It's just kind of out of need. So then, yeah, so I started doing that in middle school and then high school came and uh, moved into the high school worship leading position. And then there was a college program at my church that was called Interface. They were a band that traveled and recorded and did some things uh, with the college program. So um, they asked me to come. I was, I was 15 the first time I traveled with them. That was kind of a fun experience. And then, so I really from from when I was like 15, 16 till I guess 23, 23, 24, I, I was with Interface and on and off kind of did um, traveling, recording, played in that worship team. And yeah, it was, it was a crazy, crazy fun time. Yeah. So, and it's actually funny. So I didn't even have this in the notes for today about Interface, but this band that Joel was in, in college or, you know, leading up to college, I guess, or, you know, that around that time, I was in like probably sixth grade at this youth 
conference or whatever at this church in North Carolina and actually got to see this band that I, I think Joel was literally in, like we did, we determined like he was probably on the stage, like leading worship. And I was like in the congregation at that time, but it's so funny, like how, how you mentioned that. So yeah, I think that whole progression, it's so interesting to see. And then when did that shift happen? So then in 2013, um, you shifted to North Carolina doing full time, what kind of led uh, you feeling like, all right, North Carolina and Oasis Church specifically is like, all right, the next piece of the journey. For my wife and I, my wife, her name is Chris. And we both, you know, grew up in Florida, were raised there. And, you know, some of our family had started moving out of the state. And we just felt like we wanted to go on kind of an adventure. You know, we'd been married for a few years. And we loved North Carolina, Tennessee, that kind of area where it's it's not too cold, like where you have to deal with months and months of snow. But it's also not like the Florida swamp where you have to just deal with the mosquitoes and alligators and, you know, hundred percent humidity most of the year. So we just decided it's funny being in interface, uh, got to travel quite a bit, see a lot of different churches, a lot of different opportunities to, you know, meet with, with different pastors and different leaders. And, uh, one of the guys along the way that I just kind of became Facebook friends with was named Bill Rose. And he was a youth pastor at the time. He brought his youth group to one of the the camps we were leading worship at. And we just, you know, we we developed a friendship, but it was kind of just like a Facebook friend, like, um, hey, you're a cool guy. You know, I'll just keep track of kind of what you're doing. And then, you know, it was, yeah, it was around 2013, we decided like, we're just going to look and see what opportunities were available because yeah, it was kind of my dream at that time to to be like a worship pastor full time, like a music pastor. Um, I had done an internship, you know, with a, with a, our pastor there in Florida, and so I just felt like that was the next step. And so uh, we got a basically an invitation to come up to North Carolina from from Bill, uh, who is planting a church, starting a church at that time, uh, Oasis Church, and. It was, it was a weird situation because I was applying for like full-time, you know, I, I felt like I'd done an internship. I'd done, you know, years of traveling. I was working full-time uh, doing music um, in Florida and was like, okay, I'm looking for like a full-time opportunity, uh, have a, you know, relatively new marriage and we're just ready to start our own life. The invitation to come to North Carolina was basically, hey, if you want to come to this church like it doesn't really exist yet so we can't really pay you we can't really promise you anything we can't promise that we will ever pay you but we want to and hopefully we can um so if you want to come and help us start it then you know that's it's it's here for you so that was not what i was expecting not what i was really looking for but you know i think god kind of spoke to me through my wife in that time because my wife is very much a security type of person like I like she needs to know what the plan is what the you know what the best uh, solution is she needs to kind of have things organized and I'm more of a free spirit you know in some ways I was the one who was like you know how are we gonna live how are we gonna pay for like life and rent and food and and my wife who's the who's the planner was like we'll figure it out like we should we should go do it and I think just because because of how unique that situation was, how she typically always needed the plan and like 
she she felt so confident that like God was calling us to go there. And so I was like, okay, if, if God can like change her mind in that moment, like this is, this is probably pretty real. So um, let's, let's go, let's try it. We love North Carolina. We love our, our church oasis. We uh, helped, helped it launch in 2013 and we've been there ever since. And yeah. Yeah, man. That's such an incredible, I love that, uh, that personality of like normally need, like needing that security, but then, uh, you know, shifting to really say like, all right, like I'm open to this um, because I think that is so telling about how God was working through that. And then, you know, here we are six years later after it launching and doing just such incredible things in the community in this area. Still, I had a question for you because something that the team, uh, so I worked with Joel for what, probably like three years, maybe while I was in high school um, and just got a chance to, to learn from him, see him work on a weekly basis, did two summer internships with Oasis um, in the music. So just got to know him really well. Something that we was always talked about when we were observing you on, especially a Sunday morning where we get there at, you know, 5.30, 5 a.m., 6 a.m., move everything into this high school, set everything up, and then, you know, move it all back out at the end of the day. It's like one of the big things that we always joked about was there's going to be, what's the issue going to be this morning, right? Like, because <laughs> with tech, you know, everything, you're plugging everything in again, everything, you know, so if for you, because you were the point person for all of these different teams, you, you know, you had the team in the back doing sound and lighting and you had the setup and you had the, the music team, like for you on a Sunday morning, there was any number of possibilities, a lot of stress, you were being pulled in multiple different directions. Like for you, how were you able to like really maintain that calm? Like, or at least I don't know how you feel internally. So maybe we could talk a little bit about that. But like, from our perspective, it's like, all right, like Joel's, you know, Joel's got it handled, even though you were being pulled in these directions. So I would love to hear some insight on that. Yeah, and for for those you know who aren't familiar, we we had a portable church, so we basically had to wheel in everything that would go into like a church building. We had to wheel it in every every Sunday morning. We would wheel in on these trailers, kids setups, kids uh, environments, the whole like lobby area, um, tables, chairs, all the things, and then for our setting in. The auditorium we had obviously all the music stuff the sound system the lighting the the visuals yeah it was it was quite an undertaking and it grew over time uh, we started with you know pretty small setups just kind of what we could carry in a small trailer and when i left oasis like full-time staff we were at three trailers and one 24 foot trailer full of um gear every Sunday that we would pull in just for the band and, and the auditorium. So um, yeah, it was a lot, you know, there's, there's quite a few logistics. I definitely couldn't have done it alone. And, you know, working as a team, I think was one of the cool things about that whole process. We had an amazing kind of organization person in, in Todd Davis, who in many ways, like the church couldn't exist without and he was he was just Bill's right hand man in terms of um, he's the executive pastor. And so he's like, OK, this is what we have to do now. How do we do it? And, you know, he's he's very gifted with that type of thing. So we had diagrams. We had, you know, we had plans. We had map timesheets of like this is when we need to do this by this is when so going in with a plan was was the the best part. And then I think, you know, so, you know, when you're in a scenario where it's like stressful and there's a time 
crunch and you have to get things done and you just have to move on. I think that's typically where your, your kind of base personality comes out or your, you know, how you deal with like pressure situations. Like you don't really know until you are in that situation. So it's not necessarily something you can practice, but it's something you can learn from after the fact. So if you go through a, a high stress or something like that situation and you're like, wow, I kind of fell apart there, then that's something you can, you can kind of learn from and take notes and ask people, hey, what could I have done better? Um, is there anything that you needed from me in that moment that I wasn't providing? So just, you know, being, being teachable, um, being open. I think, you know, in some ways, my, my personality is typically pretty relaxed. And um, even if I am internally freaking out, people can think that I'm, you know, I'm just fine. So, um, so there were quite a few times I was, I was stressed out or frustrated or any number of, of emotions, but I think just, taking a breath at the end of the day, something that I always held on to is my job was like to, to do my best to create like a worship environment where people could come, they could worship God. And I always felt like at the end of the day, if everything breaks, if everything falls apart and it's just like somebody up there with an acoustic guitar, we could always fall back on that. And God would always still move, you know? So it wasn't all dependent on us. Like it was like, we can worship God in so many different ways. This just happens to be the way that we try to do it. And if that doesn't work out, if it doesn't happen, then that's okay. Like we're still going to worship God. Like we can still provide, you know, God with praise in that moment. So like so many incredible things there from like just the base personality coming out under stress, learning from that, working with people around you that are, I mean, I think there was so much, especially for you. And this is something that I feel like I've learned a lot from you is like, here's where I can continue to grow and work with people around me. Like all of these things, like just talking to you, seeing how you interact with people. And especially like on a weekly basis with the team, it was like, there's so much potential for the team because everyone was so open to growth. Everyone was so open to working together. Mm -hmm. For musicians, I feel like there's that unique team element because it's bigger than just us having a conversation like the music is this deeper element talk a little bit to that like on a you know specifically on a music level how does that add to a team and especially team building in that scenario I think a band in a lot of ways is like a great metaphor for like how a team should be because like someone has to when in our band we would play to a click track that's just a little beeping in our ears that tells it like keeps us on time. Understanding that, you know, in a team environment, like there has to be some guiding principles or some guiding set of, of things that are, are keeping everyone kind of on track. And then like listening to each other, like if the guitar player is just interested in like soloing the whole time, there's not going to be any, cohesiveness with the rest of the band so you want to like listen to your team you want to listen to like what the uh, musicians will call it like in the pocket like you want to be in the pocket with your with your bass player with your drummer like you want to know like where they're going and and are we going to build it up here we're going to bring it down and so you know just those type of things in a in a band environment like you need to be in tune. You have like, you have to have some basic talent. There's a lot of things that apply 
in real life like that you can say if your band is successful there's some things that are going to need to happen and the and those translate quite a bit to just teams in general and and you know life in general a lot of times so shifting a little bit to the marketing stuff now the the bearhawk media so what first of all have to ask what inspired the name bearhawk media <laughs> yeah um bearhawk media so my wife and i have two uh, amazing kids. We have my son Cohen and my daughter Ember. And so that's actually their middle names, Cohen Bear uh, Henley and Ember Hawk Henley. And so those are, that's just a kind of a mashup of their names and it's kind of symbolic. So yeah, for people that don't know, like in uh, earlier this year, I guess it was January was, was my last uh, sort of month, full-time staff at Oasis uh, at my church um, after I guess like almost seven years. And that for us in large part was driven by family, by the desire to have a little bit more freedom with our family schedule, to have the ability to like control our own destiny in a way with our finances, with our with our time, just the the opportunities that, you know, being self-employed allows you to have is is pretty remarkable and and like nowadays it's so accessible for people like for me i never had any formal training with video or video production um it was all youtube and just figuring it out as i go like being the the worship pastor at church like i didn't just do the music i had to do a lot of the production and technical elements as well and and so over the past five six years learning some video and storytelling type skills that's kind of what got me interested in that in the first place was just having to do that in a church setting there was a period of time where we didn't have a creative pastor that was dedicated to like being more you know story driven video driven those kind of things so for a while I was kind of doing double duty and doing a lot of video work and uh, I found that I really enjoyed it you know there was just a visual element to the creativity that I really liked. I'm also kind of a gear techie, you know, I really enjoy the tech side of things and like getting into the gear, getting into the cameras and lenses and lighting and audio and just all the elements that make up a, a great video. Like every time I would make a video for the church, like I'd want to learn how to, I could do it better. So just be watching YouTube channels on filmmaking and, and how to get better lighting, how to get better audio in your videos, how to frame and what lenses to use and, you know, just all these different things. And so over time, just developed a passion for it and realized like, you know, this is something that I could see myself doing. Yeah. There's like, there's a lot there yeah. for me. I could talk for a long time about it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that, and it, it, you can definitely tell that just like in that, that passion is there right now. And I know you're in the space so much right now because it's what you're doing on an every day, every hour basis for, for people or listeners. And, and especially I'm guilty of this, of being like, so stuck in like the logic and like, um, just specifically like doing things the way that they are, or that type of thing. Like for someone who wants to, you know, flex the creativity muscle or like work on that in themselves, like, what would you recommend? Like, how did you get started? Whether it's, you know, production or, or video specifically, which is what you're doing now. What were those things that you initially started doing to, to get into it? 
I think that this time that we live in with YouTube and Google and just so many things, Skillshare and like, you know, there's, there's paid ways to learn things and there's free ways to learn things. But I think it's so incredible that like you can, like I've had two careers in my life. I had some formal training with music, but I never went, like I never got a degree in like worship pastor, you know, like I did, a, I did an internship and then I went right into it. And so a lot of stuff along the way, I had to Google, I had to YouTube, I had to figure it out. Like, how do I do this? Um, how do I do that? And then um, now I'm in a career where again, like I never had any formal training. I never had any degrees, never went to school for it. Like hundred percent of what I know is from YouTube and from just figuring it out, you know? And so that, the opportunities that we have now with the internet and with YouTube and just so many things, especially if you're a visual learner, you can, you can learn anything. Like you can literally learn anything. And so if you, if you find something, I think our generation kind of takes for granted the idea that we can do something and, it, and like love doing it because I think like even a generation or two generations ago, you know, work was not always synonymous with something you love. Mm. Like it was like work was very much like you need to provide for your family. You need to get a job and you need to like work there for 40 years and retire and have security. And that's all that there. That's, that's the best that you can hope for. And maybe you can, you know, on the weekends have something that you can enjoy, but like now, you know, in our, you know, modern context, like we can, combine something we love doing with you know providing for our family and making a living and adding value to the world so like it's just you know it's amazing and a privilege that you can do that because like that's not always the case and that's not always the you know case for everybody like I've had jobs where I just had to get a job and just yeah. do it like I worked at a bagel shop it was the first job I could get when I moved to North Carolina I was not a huge fan of it <laughs> You know, there's like, you know, just being in the service industry, like cleaning toilets and cleaning up after messy people and slicing bagels and cutting my finger and, you know, just all the things that um, go into being in the service industry. But I did it for a time and then kept learning and honing my skills to when I could one day make a living doing something that I, that I did love. And so that was, that was a big inciting reason for it so yeah I, I think just just learning as much as you can if you don't have an opportunity to do it full time yet like you know do it for free like you know try to try to learn from someone that's doing it find someone that you that you know of that is doing what you want to do and like just offer to help them offer to carry their stuff for them or just you know bring them coffee you know anything you can do to like get around people that are doing what you want to do. 100%. I love that. And I think you're exactly right. Google, YouTube, I mean, helping, helping people out in the places you want to go. Like that's exactly, especially for, for young people, right? While you still have that opportunity, like if you're in college, you're in high school, like you have so much more freedom to be able to do that because mm -hmm. you're not in that situation of like, Oh, I have to support my family. I have to pay bills, all that. So I think, um, especially where my listeners are at, like that's going to really hit home. One thing in, and I know we're, uh, we're coming to a close here, but 
so you and Chris started this business together for you guys, whether it's spouse or close friends or, you know, um, in, in terms of entrepreneurship and starting a business, like how did you know that was the right move in terms of like you guys working as a team? What makes you guys work so well together? My wife is amazing and she's smarter than me and, and more organized than me. And, um, <laughs> And, you know, a lot of, a lot of the credit for my success should go to her, um, it, whatever measure of success I've had. So I, I've, I've known that, you know, she, she had some skills that I didn't have just, you know, they say opposites attract in a lot of ways. We're similar, similar, but we're also very opposite in a lot of ways. So we've typically worked well together. We're like we're either working well together or we're butting heads. Um, <laughs> it's, it's one or the other, you know, but most of the time we can work well together because we have complementary strengths and weaknesses. So I'm more of a, let's just figure it out. Let's go with the flow. Let's, you know, we can, we can figure it out along the way where she is like, let's plan it. Let's get a, let's get a plan. Let's identify our goals. Let's, let's put it on an Excel spreadsheet, that kind of thing. And so, you know, even early in our marriage, I knew like, if we, like we could work together, you know, because we're friends, we like each other. And then we can also have, have a good um, working relationship because we do have those complementary strengths. So just, just knowing what you're good at, knowing what your weaknesses are, and then like finding someone whether that's your spouse, whether that's a friend who can fill those, those roles where you're maybe not as strong. Yeah. I think that's so important. Like the, the, the self-awareness to know not only like where your strengths are, but also like, not only like, okay, if we got three people of the exact same strengths, like, Oh, there's not much, uh, not much diversity there. So, um, I think that that is really important in closing. I wanted to share a a story that I, I was thinking through something that I could share from our time in the internship. And there was one thing that I remember that you, you shared with me when we were first teaching DAW. So for people who don't know, uh, DAW stands for digital audio workstation. So like if you've heard of garage band or, or uh, those types of things where you're editing music and and something you shared with me was when I was first working on making tracks for the church I was playing these piano lines and they would load in as MIDI files and I would always uh, my inclination would be okay I'm gonna do this thing where you can basically like line it up to be like perfectly on time every time like you can just highlight all the notes you played and this thing called quantize it and it just shifts everything so it's right on beat and I remember I was kind of doing that at the beginning and I, I'm like, oh, the, you know, it's perfect, right? Because like it is like it's right on beat or whatever. And I remember you sharing this idea with me that, you know, this little tiny space between where the line should be and where the actual note I played is, is that uniqueness. It's the creativity. It's the, you know, it's that individuality that gives music its, you know, its individuality, its creativity. And so I remember you sharing that and it's been something that I've not only applied to just that, but really like my life of like this individuality, this little tiny difference between where the line is and where I am, like that applies to every area of your life. I think that uniqueness is so important and being just a little bit different than what other people are doing is what makes you, you. And so I wanted to share that. I am sure you don't even remember telling me that, right. <laughs> but it, it's, it's something that's really stuck with me. And as, as I was thinking about that, I wanted to share that with listeners as well today. 
That's cool. Yeah, I, I don't remember that specifically, but that sounds like something I could say. <laughs> That's awesome. So, well, Joel, I, I really appreciate the conversation today. Um, I, I love walking through. I mean, you have lived an incredible um, life so far, and I know there there's so much more uh, coming. Uh, don't get me wrong. And I'm excited to follow the journey of, of Bearhawk Media as well. And we'll link all of that as well so people can check out your work and what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. And it's been awesome seeing you create this space for conversations and it's really cool. Keep doing it. Thanks so much. And for listeners, uh, if this is your first time checking us out, make sure to follow us at taking your breath podcast on Instagram for uh, daily clips and highlights. And we'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening to the taking a breath podcast with Parker Mays. 